Welcome to the Becoming One podcast, where as the church, we learn to pursue peace in a divided world. Here is your host, Pastor Sean Wilson. Amen. God bless you. Um, Thank you for joining us on today's Becoming One podcast uh, show. And today I want to kind of talk about something uh, that is familiar and I hear a lot the term of what it means to rightly divide the word. Today I want to kind of talk about what does that mean? Um, Because it's very important to understand this because this is one of the reasons that I personally believe that there's so much division and different um, approaches to understanding when it comes to the scripture. We have people that, that dig in and they fight these things because they have not done what the scripture says is properly or rightly divide the word of truth. Um, This verse of scripture is written in the letter that Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and it starts at verse 14. And I'm going to start here just for the sake of time to try not to make this an hour long um, session, but I just want to kind of talk to you for a few minutes here to give you enough to go back and start to really think about some things because I want to encourage, of course, us to be unified in the same judgments as the body of Christ to become one, just as Christ has called us to do in John chapter 17. So it says here in Second Timothy chapter two, verse 14, it says, remind them of these things. And I'm reading out of the ESV. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does not which does no good but only ruins the hearer. Do your best to present yourselves to God as one approved, a workman or worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth in the ESV as is defined is rightly handling the word of truth. Amen. I'm going to stop there. Um, It goes on to talk about this to avoid some things to avoid irreverent babble um, that leads people into more ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene. I'm not going to go through that piece, but I want to talk about what does it mean to rightly divide or properly handle the word of truth? Um, some people will come and tell you that properly handling or rightly dividing the word of truth is to separate things. I don't believe it means to separate things. I think it means what it says is, is to rightly or properly handle it. Let me give you an example. I want to give you a couple of examples of what it means to properly handle. To properly handle the word of truth is to say that when I read in the Bible, when it says baptism, that I understand that baptism does not always mean water. To me, that's properly handling the word of truth. How do I how do I properly handle it? I identify that there's instances in Scripture where it actually speaks about being baptized into um, the children of Israel were baptized in, unto Moses. Then we also see baptism unto the Holy Spirit. We also see people that was baptized in water. Um, so we see that there's different types of baptism. So properly handling it is to say, no, baptism does not mean baptizing water. It depends on the context of the scripture. The bap- to properly handle the word of truth is to have a understanding of what's being written and what it was meaning from the beginning so that you don't just take it and start applying it all over the place. He'll give me another example that's very, very famous in the, in the body of Christ is about judgment. 
So when we read a scripture in, in Matthew chapter seven and we say, judge, lest you shall be judged. And, and people say, you can't judge me. Well, I'm going to tell you, you're right. Sometimes it does say do not judge, but sometimes it does say judge. Matter of fact, judge also means to discern. So we see in Hebrews five, it talks about how we should be able to judge good from evil. When it comes to a person's worship in Romans 14, it tells us not to judge a, a servant of another. Amen. Not to judge because they, they're serving God. So we don't judge a person's worship in the way their expression to God and, and their adoration towards him. We don't judge. And, and we have brothers in the body of Christ. They were weak, ones with weak faith and some with strong faith. So then he also tells us to, to not judge a hypocritical judgment. Then he also says that there is a righteous judgment. So when we look in the scripture to properly handle the word of truth, we have to be well read in the message of the word of God. Amen. Let me give you another example. When we go out here and, and um, we talk about the will of God, did you know that there's a will of God for the believer and a will of God for the unbeliever? I know you don't. I know people will reject that at the first time they hear it, but I want you to hear what I'm saying. There's a will of God for the unbeliever. And then there's a will of God for the believer. What is the will of God for the unbeliever? Well, that's pretty simple. It's pretty simple because the will of God for the unbeliever is this. Get saved. Believe in Jesus. Amen. The will of God for the unbeliever is, is that, is that we must be born again. That that's the whole believe in Jesus so that you can be born again. So you can be made alive. That is the will of God for the unbeliever. The will of God for the unbeliever is not to fix his life. The will of God for the unbeliever is not to walk after the teachings of Jesus. The will of God starts at new birth for the unbeliever. Everything else is irrelevant. So you're talking about lifestyle. You're talking about all these other things prior to a person being converted. It is not the gospel. The will of God is that we be born again. That comes first. So you can talk about you, you, you're going to hell because of this. You're going to hell. Because, but Jesus says they're going to hell because they didn't believe in him. He wants to take care of the sin thing. The sin thing is going to be taken care of by, by the Lord Jesus. And when they believe in him, they will be changed and made a new creation. How can an old creation new do new creation things? They can't. They must be born again. They must be they must be sanctified by the spirit. They must be set apart. They must be justified. They must be made alive. Their eyes must be open. Their ears must be open. Amen. This is what we have to understand that there is a will of God for the unbeliever. And then there's a will of God for the believer. This is an example. One example, just one example of the will of God for a believer. It's in his first Thessalonians chapter four, verse three through nine. But I will tell you before I read this, that another will of God for the believer is that they be conformed to the image of Christ. They be conformed to the image of Christ. Now, let me read this to you. Let me say, let me share this with you. It says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and in honor, not in the passions of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one, no one transgress and wrong his brother 
in this matter because the Lord is the avenger in all these things. As we told you before and solemnly warned you, for God has not called us for impurity, but holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this dis disregards not man, but God who gives the, his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write you for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Amen. Now that message is for believers. They're being reminded of what they've been called to. That's the ones that have been born again. They have been taught that you are not been called to still live like you used to live. We're told to put on Christ. Oh man, we got to put on Christ like you put on your coat. Hey, like you put on your hat. You got to put on Christ. Be clothed in him. Be clothed in his righteousness. Walk according to his word. This is the call of the believer. But the unbeliever, the call is to be born again. So we must understand that there is a there is a shift. There is some some things that happen for there's a message for the unbeliever. and There's a message for those that are righteous. That's why when we come to church, we can talk about sin and walking away from it because once you have been free, you have the power to flee. Once you have been set free, you have the power to flee. Amen. So we can say that in the church. And as a matter of fact, Paul says this. The only people that Paul ever said to flee fornication was those who were born again. Those who were born again, the people that did not know who Christ was, he told them believe in Jesus because that's the door. That's the gate. That's the that's the open. That's how you get in. That's how you get in and have that new life. You don't you don't get the new life from acting right. You get the new life from being born again and having your faith in Jesus. And then when you're born again, then you'll start to walk according to the word as you're taught. A, a disciple of Christ follows his teachings, not just follows his blessings. Oh, you must understand this. I'm not talking about the natural things. Coming to Christ is not about getting more things in this world. Coming to Christ is not about having a better life. Coming to Christ is about having a new life because you become a new creation. And we must understand this as the gospel message. So what does it mean to properly handle the word of truth, brothers and sisters? It simply means this, that we must understand the whole message, not take one scripture and make a doctrine out of it. Let me give you another example of what it means to properly handle the word of God. To properly handle the word of God, we must also consider this. You ever heard people say that a believer has to speak in tongues in order to be born again, but yet and still they will deny the fact that in, in Acts chapter 10, where Cornelius got saved, that he never said a sinner's prayer, that he believed the gospel. God responded to his heart. He filled him with the Holy Spirit. And then he got water baptized afterwards. That water baptism doesn't, didn't save him. So to properly handle it is to be like, say, you know what? It didn't happen here. So I can't say this is the, this is how a person gets saved. To properly handle it is to acknowledge the fact that God has saved people in many different ways in the word of God. There's many different examples of how he saved people. And the one consistent 
thing that happened when a person was born again was this, as it pertains to tongues. Love. Love was the one thing. And the other thing is when the person spoke in tongues, what did they do? What was they speaking? What was they saying? They were glorifying God. They were glorifying God in a, either in someone else's language or in their own language. Anytime you go through the book of Acts and you see that, that's the evidence you'll find is that they glorify God. When when Paul preached to those, I think it was in Antioch, where there was some um, some Christians, some Gentiles that believed they started to glorify God once they found when they heard the good news. Those are the people that received the message with joy. But then there were people that did not receive the message with joy when it was in Acts chapter 17 that those people rejected Paul. And matter of fact, they went after him and they wanted to take care of him. That was when uh, Jason himself was put in jail because he allowed them to stay at his house. So I'm sharing this with you today because I want you to understand what does it mean to properly handle the word of God, properly handle it, rightly divide, properly handle the word of truth is the mean we have to be truthful in agreeing that the things that have presented before us have been revealed to his body of Christ is God's truth. It is his truth. We need to understand things as when they were happened, the difference between a shadow and a type and the real thing, man-made religion and what God has called us to. Amen. So I just want to kind of encourage you today with that short message that we must rightly divide the word of truth. Know the difference. When it comes to the call of the message, know the gospel when you hear it. People telling you that you out there and they're saying, hey, you going to hell if you don't repent and you don't come to Christ and let him have have your way, have his way in your life. That's not the gospel. The gospel is about faith in Jesus for your life or salvation. He saves us. To place faith in him for life and have our hope in his coming and our hope in his promise of eternal life through our faith in him. In that process, we're changed, we're sanctified as we walk with him, as it says in 1 John chapter 1. So let us understand what the gospel message is. I know when I'm not hearing the gospel, when I hear people sitting there and that's all they talk about, they say, you're going to hell for this. And you need to change your house. Look at your house. Your, your whole family is, is broke down. Look at all of this stuff happening in your family. You're, you're trying to sell them an idea of happiness. You're not trying to share the gospel message with them. The gospel message is more than anything in this life. It's life in the essence of eternity. Is beyond here. You could very well be saved and still have some issues. And people are like, well, why would I get saved? Because if you ask that question, then you don't know about eternal life. You have no idea where you're going to go after this place. But those that hear the good news and they respond to the message of the good news, they have faith in the good news that they believe, even if they don't see it, that's faith. You don't believe because you see, you believe when you don't see. You pray to a God you don't see. You follow words of, of the, the word of God and, and you believe what you hear in the message is all faith. Doesn't mean you're going to get 
a whole bunch of things. Doesn't mean you're going to have money, but it will mean that you are rich. See, you have to understand this. See, rightly dividing the word of truth will tell you this also. If you look in the book of Revelation and you look at all of the churches that are there, you'll find out that there was churches that was wealthy. But the Lord said, that, hey, you're poor. And then there was churches that didn't have anything. And he says, hey, you're rich. Oh, see, you got to understand. See, this is what it means to rightly divide the word of truth. See, because the Lord to store up treasures in heaven has nothing to do with things of this earth. It don't have anything to do with money. It has nothing to do with any of that stuff. Storing up treasures in heaven has everything to do with love, receiving, receiving the love of Christ in new life, in the gospel, and sharing that same love with others in the gospel. And then once we come in, we're being perfected. We're being conformed to the image of Christ. We become imitators of Christ. We're being taught how to do these things. And then those that are placed over you are modeling it in front of you if they should be. They should be, they should be king's servants in your assemblies, your churches. They should be examples before you on how a person is to live and walk according to the word of God. But that's what I wanted to share with you today. I went a little bit longer than I, than I normally would have, but... I just want you to understand rightly dividing the word of truth is means that you need to look at everything in the scripture according to the message and share that as the message and not say, oh, you got to do this or you got to do that. You better know what the truth is. The truth will set you free, but rightly divide and properly handle the word of truth. God bless you and we'll see you next week. Be blessed. Thank you for joining us today on the Becoming One podcast. We request that you please like, share, and subscribe to our station, YouTube channel, and Facebook page. Remember, to pursue peace in a divided world, we, the church, must organize, neutralize, and evangelize. Let's become one.